0: In this episode, we will discuss experiences with fellowships. A fellowship is a unique opportunity that provides both scholarship funding and various professional work and enrichment opportunities for specific groups of students at various colleges or universities. Today, you will hear from both a current fellow, Okeishi, and an alumni, Vedette from the Fellowship for Serving African American Communities at Harvard's Kennedy School. The Fellowship for Serving African American Communities brings together a diverse and talented group of emerging leaders who are committed to working to reduce disparities in African American and other underserved communities in the United States through efforts in healthcare, education, economic development, public policy, criminal justice reform, social entrepreneurship, and a variety of other fields. Now, let's meet our guests. Now we begin our discussion about the Fellowship for Serving African-American Communities. We'd like to discuss this with a current fellow within this fellowship program, a student named Okashi. Hi Okashi, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, Cody. Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to, to speak on the podcast.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here. We greatly appreciate it and can't wait for you to share your experiences with our students. Before we get started on the topic of fellowships, which is what brings us here today, I'd love it if you could tell our audience a little bit more about yourself.
1: So my name is KG. I was born in Nigeria. I grew up for most of my childhood there and um, moved to the U.S. about a decade ago to Nashville and then ended up living in a smaller town called Nolensville, and, which was an experience moving to a new country and having to basically readjust. But I'm glad my family was here with me. And for college, I went to Duke University, where I studied global health and biology along the pre-med track. And then eventually, I'm a current student at Harvard Medical School, studying to be a physician, as well as a master's in public policy student at the Harvard Kennedy School. And through my journey, I've tried to weave together health equity and increasing access to healthcare resources for underprivileged communities. And that's kind of been my driving force and other theme throughout my academic journey.
0: That's great. And, you know, incredibly timely work too, given the current pandemic. So that's that's incredible. We talk to a lot of first generation college students on this podcast. And a lot of times we wonder, when did you first know that you were a first-generation college student? When when did that concept become clear to you? And and what were your initial thoughts?
1: Yeah, the first time I learned what a first-generation student was, was honestly in college. <laughs> I believe it was my first year. We received an email and the email was basically welcoming first-generation students to campus and basically offering having a meeting and offering us sort of resources to readjust. And I think my first initial thoughts were, wow, this this exists, like this This is a concept because, and I say that because throughout the college application process, I mean, we had nice guidance counselors at our school, but I just, they weren't equipped to really help me or my family kind of navigate the college application process. So I think a lot of it was just picking schools randomly. Um, a lot of it was kind of throwing together my application. And when I say throwing together, I mean, it was a more thoughtful process, but I, I think what I didn't understand was that for a lot of students, who are not first generation. They have parents or they have relatives who are able to help them navigate the system or to think three, four steps ahead. So by first year or sophomore year in high school, they're already kind of mapping out the things they wanna do and how they wanna get there. And I think that was something that wasn't readily available to me or some of the members in my community. So I think hearing that my first year of college, it made me really think, wow, like this is a community or this is like a concept that if I had known earlier, honestly would have been a little bit helpful to to think through the different barriers eventually came as I was applying to college, whether it's knowing which colleges exist or knowing how to get funding or, or XYZ things that would have been helpful in mind. So I think my first reaction was wow. But through that, I was able to find a really great community of, of people who I think had a very similar background. And, you know, the thought has always been how can we help people better access um, the education system, which I think this podcast does, does a great job of.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a common, relatable experience. I think many students find out either late high school or once they get to college. So yeah, it it had to feel incredibly comforting to know that there was a community out there of people just like you who experienced things similar to you. Okay, so as I mentioned, today we're here to talk about fellowship. And you are a fellow at the Fellowship for Serving African American Communities. In your own words, can you define or describe what a fellowship
1: is? Of course, so my definition of a fellowship. I like to think of it as an initiative by either a university, a school, or an organization to really bring together like-minded people or or people who are who are dedicated around a specific cause. So, for example, my fellowship is around. People who are interested in serving African American communities, but there are also fellowships around business and innovation, fellowships around social entrepreneurship. So I think of it really much as an initiative to bring together people who are passionate about a specific topic or field to really learn and grow together, to really to have them, you know, through dialogue, through conversations, or even connecting them with alumni, to, to really hone in on this specific field and work towards a goal. And to also, in some instances, provide resources, whether it be financial resources to help them afford school or to afford to be in the program, or resources and connecting them with people or other organizations who can really help them grow both professionally and personally. So I think a fellowship is really an initiative to bring together people to, to advance a specific goal or a cause.
0: And do you remember when you first learned about what a fellowship was and what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so I believe the first fellowship I learned about was right around the end of my senior year of high school. As I mentioned, I wasn't really aware of the different forms of fundings. Like, I think a lot of more popular ones are like the Coca-Cola scholarship, the Gates scholarship and things like that. And the first, I think, true fellowship I learned about was in high school. Uh, I believe it was the University of Washington in St. Louis. There was a really big push for, I think, recruiting diverse students. And I happened on an info session that they had. And the more I learned about it, it was, you know, they were trying to recruit Mostly African American students, but also minority students in these various fellowships to help. I think to help them, like both financially and again with a sense of community, to help to help them kind of be, better have better access to education. And I thought that it was a wonderful experience, kind of going through both applying, um, and it was great because this is pre-COVID, so it's, it's, it's a while back. But they had us visit the campus and really showed us around and kind of made a, a point for 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 coming there because we would have this community and we would have these mentors who would help us along as we progress. So I I didn't end up going to, to Washington, Washington university in St. Louis, but I have, I was still connected with some people who did end up taking that fellowship and they kind of echoed what the sentiment was at the time, which is that it really helped push them along their career and really helped them kind of form a community there. So I would say late high school was the first time that I, I learned what a fellowship was.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, such an important example because, you know, we oftentimes encourage first-generation students, especially, to just immerse themselves in the college process and to learn more about what different colleges have to offer. And even though you didn't end up attending or partaking in that specific fellowship – it still helped to inform you and educate you on what a fellowship was. And so, you know, in the future, as you became interested in other fellowship opportunities, you already have that background knowledge. So that that's really cool that you were able to get that in high school. So that's great.
1: And I think so. to also add to that, too, is something that I wasn't aware of when I actually did get to college my first year was there are a couple of fellowships you, you can apply to when you have arrived on campus or when, like right before you start. So I think depending on your geographic location, and I think it's a little bit easier now because there are websites that have like kind of a data bank of different fellowships. I I think it's just important to to keep an eye out for. So even if you don't, even if you try to apply before college and it, it didn't really work out or you didn't have the time to, I think something that was not mentioned as, as explicitly was like there are different opportunities as you go along the different stages in college to also um, to also apply or consider fellowships as well, too.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's again, it's so great to be aware of those things, because the, the one thing we don't want students to do is to miss out on opportunities simply because they weren't aware of them. So that's right. Continuing on, you know, let's talk more about the specifics of fellowships. So again, you are a fellow at the uh, Fellowship for Serving African American Communities. I'm also curious, what motivated you to even apply for the fellowship in the first place?
1: I think my main motivation really um, stemmed from the fact that through my different experiences working in, in global health and health access, I really felt that I was passionate about growing in a community of people who also cared a lot about the rights and, and equality for minority populations, especially for the Black community, to state it. And so for me, I, I wanted my time at the Kennedy School to really be surrounded by people who were answering that questions from different perspectives, So, be it education, health justice, be it um, criminal justice. So my initial motivation was like, I want to be in a room with people who are thinking critically and deeply about this, and so that was my first my my first thought. And I think second of all, another motivation was, like, as I mentioned, there is the learning, but there's also the community aspect of it. And I can say that a lot of the people I spoke with who had come before me and, and who had done the fellowship had that res- was the same resounding message of like great mentorship and a great community. And that really I think pushed me even more because. Worrying through, like, do I, you know, do I deserve to be here? Do I deserve to apply? And kind of toggling back and forth between that. But kind of steadily pushing through was really key. And I think the third and last thing is people. And that's a point that to get across is that we're truly a summation of the people who add into our lives. And I think thinking through this fellowship specifically, I spoke with great mentor, Dr. Ilham Avakame. Who is a, a resident at Children's National, and just hearing about his experience and him kind of going the extra mile of putting me in contact with other fellows or other people who have gone through the program was really, really helpful. And I think really motivated me. When I spoke with those people, they really helped me believe, you know, if you if you work hard and you know put a lot of thought into your application, this is something that could be realistic. So I think a mo- motivating factors for me was just I think being in that room and learning with passionate people but also getting a community aspect of it. And truly it's paving the way for the people who are gonna hopefully follow me in this fellowship because I know the people who came before me put a lot of effort to make sure I had a seat at the table.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and I know that you placed a lot of emphasis on you know that motivation with regards to communities and mentorship and people. In terms of applying for the fellowship, Um, Did you have anyone that assisted you along the way throughout that process?
1: Yes. So I had, as I mentioned before, I had a a great mentor. Again, I will say his name, Dr. Elam Avakame, because he's an incredible individual. So he, I believe it was my first or second year in med school. I expressed an interest in the program and the fellowship. And I think from that day on, he kind of made it his mission to basically plug me in with people who he felt would help me kind of better understand the application process, as well as. You know, just helping prepare for the interview, and so he put me in contact with a fellow who is kind of a year who's in the in the fellowship right now, and you know, and he was great to kind of talk through different points about you know this is the value of the scholarship, this is what you know they look for in strong candidates. So I think that was helpful, but I also think also I got to say thank you as well to my peers, like some of my classmates who, you know, took the time to help me read through my essays. I think it's something that when you when you put together a piece about yourself on paper, we we tend to see things through our own lens, but it's very helpful when someone else can read your paper, read your essays and say, you know, maybe take this out, maybe add this piece in or emphasize a little bit more. So I think I truly felt like a community effort of mentors who really made me believe that this is something I could do, but I think also my friends and the people I'm surrounded around who took off the time to make sure that I was able to express my true authentic self in various parts of my application, um, as well as through the recommendation process as well, too.
0: That's great. Awesome. So continuing on, you, you mentioned some of these items already, but in what ways specifically do you think your fellowship assisted you with the most? What are some of the key things that you feel like you gained or have gained so far from being a member of the fellowship?
1: Of course. I think the one big thing for me is personal growth. I think that my journey through medical school and even now at the Kennedy School, it has been, I, I think, really trying to find my voice. I was speaking with our, our fellowship director about this and it's something she challenged me um a key Ortiz is to really think about how I can use my voice to empower others. And I think for me, it's been a time of immense personal growth, and a part of that, again, is being in a room with very passionate people who have various styles of leadership and various styles of the way they advocate for people. And it's just really helped me to think about the elements that make them great communicators and really try to add that to my to my repertoire and, and, and to the work I do. So I think it's personal growth and as well as. Community and I think that's a word that has come up a million times and I I use a lot, but it it truly is is an important part of who I am. And it's having a group of people who, when I've had a really long week or you know there's something distressing that happened, I can you know feel free feel feel free to speak openly about and really get their feedback and and to grow and to, to be challenged. And the third component is the financial component, which I think is is a very important motivation factor, and I think a reason why this fellowship exists is to help students who, like myself, who might not have been able to afford it or who might have been basically not considered themselves to to get it because um, it does help fund a good portion of our respective degrees at the Harvard Kennedy School. So those are the various aspects of it. But I think the personal growth, at least for me, has been the most transformative part of the fellowship so far.
0: Great. And going back to when you were in that application process, do you remember having an understanding of how competitive that process was? Like, you know, did you know anyone else applying to the fellowship or other fellowships?
1: Yes. So I, I believe I knew that it was fairly competitive. They don't, I don't think there are numbers out there, but it's something that was expressed explicitly on the fellowship's website and even mentioned briefly during the interview. And, and so I knew that, you know, this is something that I had to really put a lot of thought into. So I was even applying during a time of kind of a personal person was a lot going on and, and even with med school, a lot going on. But it was something that was really stressed to me is to be very intentional about the time I put into my essays and the time I put into basically packaging the various portions of the fellowship. So it was competitive. But again, I think what helped me along the way was speaking with people who have gone through the fellowship. That was something that I I think I had not failed to do in the past, but have not really been intentional about, which is Mm -hmm. if you're applying for something specifically, it helps to talk to people who have gone through the process and have gotten into the program, because they can give you the various nuanced advice about what you need to do to be a strong candidate, knowing that, you know, everyone, when you walk into the door, you know, everyone has an equal chance of getting it. So even if it doesn't work out, at least, you know, you try to tailor your your materials or like your application to best fit what that organization believes in. And so I think for me is knowing that I was, I'm was i very passionate about improving health for Black communities and especially for, for children. It helped to talk to someone who had basically taken a very similar path to me. And as far as, you know, this is how you think about structuring your essay and, you know, you'd benefit from getting letters from these kind of people. But I think also just as a reassuring factor that, you know, this is something that I can do to see someone who looks like you be able to tell you can do this was very powerful for me as well, too.
0: Absolutely. And was there anything that you wish you knew when you first applied to a fellowship that you now know,
1: but that you wish you knew back then? Yeah, so I think something I wish I had known uh, or thought a little bit more critically about is the is is how you put together your essay. But I, I, I put a lot of thought into my application for the Fellowship for Serving African-American Communities, and I think that helped a lot. And I would say looking back on maybe some of the other things I'd applied for in the past that I didn't get, I think a recurring theme that I realized was when I maybe try to use essays or try to use materials from other applications that might not fit perfectly or doesn't fit well with it. And I, I reiterate essays here because I truly feel like your essays are your introductory conversation with the people, you, with the interviewers or the people you're trying to, to basically convince in the application process that, you know, I, 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 will benefit from being in this fellowship, but I also have a way to give back. And so something I wish I would and known a little bit earlier on in both my college experience and medical school experiences, I think really being intentional about what I put in my essay. So if an essay had worked for a fellowship and let's say like a Fulbright, you know, it's a very different fellowship than if you want to do a fellowship around biomedical sciences or something like that. So I think it's just really like with each application process, I treat it as a new, a fresh canvas and really think, okay, these are the two or three points I want to hit. And even though that means maybe using similar stories or similar experiences from other essays, but it's to really make sure that I am speaking to the audience, that I'm tailoring my message to specifically that application.
0: Great. Heading into the next segment, now I would love to talk about more in depth as it relates to specifically the Fellowship for Serving African American Communities and what that's done for you, but also what you plan to do in the future using many of the resources and supports that you've received through the fellowship. So to start, you know, I'm interested, how do you believe that being a fellow within the Fellowship for Serving African American Communities, how has being in the Fellowship impacted your identity as a first-generation college
1: student? Of course. So I think, so the Fellowship for Certain African American Communities, I think for as far as my identity as a first-generation student, once again, it's kind of giving me a, a community of people with a very similar background to myself. But some of the other fellows who are my, amazing fellows who are my cohort um, have similar similar backgrounds, similar stories. And it's kind of really created an oasis or a place for us to be able to speak freely and to think about how our experiences either through college or through graduate programs or jobs have really influenced who we are and how we can move together as a group and and also as individuals. And it's just a realization that for a lot of us who are first generation students, it's not only just college, but when we get to, to places like medical school or we get to places like the Kennedy School we're also kind of the first ones in our families to sometimes achieve those degrees. So I think some of the challenges that come up during college are are also very much reminiscent in other forms of graduate school. And the difference now being that, you know, we have a community and we have ways that we're able to better speak about the challenges we had having access to institutions, I think has been been really critical. So I think for me, as far as for my identity as a first-generation student, I think the fellowship has really provided a space for me to be able to process some of the, the challenges and, and the great parts of being in a graduate program, but also really pushed me to think about how we can each work together with the different expertise and mindsets that we bring to the table to really advance the goal of basically creating more equality and equity for African-American communities.
0: Absolutely. And on that note, Mm -hmm. um, how how do you plan to utilize or leverage many of the leadership skills or abilities that you've learned or honed in on through the fellowship to best impact some of our underserved and marginalized communities?
1: Yeah, so my passion is truly improving healthcare, both access and outcomes. And I say that because we look at different metrics, measures, studies, and it shows across the board that Black communities, minority communities often have the worst access to healthcare. be that physicians, be that hospitals, and also have the worst outcomes and higher rates of death, illnesses, and the whole lot. So what I'm really passionate about is how do we bridge both the help, how do we get the government and private institutions to really work together to, to think of creative solutions to help impact and improve healthcare access for our African American communities and as well as like other minority communities who might not have access to these things. And it's been awesome to really learn from the different models that exist at the moment. So for example, there's a family van in Boston where they legit they take a, a van and drive them into the communities and do healthcare screenings. And for me, my thinking is how can we get support from organizations like that and the government to really amplify these efforts? So that's what I really, really am passionate about. And I think what the fellowship has done for me and will continue to do for me because I I truly view this as a long-term partnership, a a long-term way of learning and growing, it has, I think, for one, really challenged me to think about the different aspects that, that affect healthcare, so be it the economic side of it, be it the... Healthcare justice. So I think it's really stretched my mind to think about how we can tackle some of these problems from multiple angles. It has also provided me access to people who are who have a- accomplished a lot of great things. And I think to both have a conversation around how did you get to where you are today? You know, how did you have to navigate the, the various roadblocks or, along the way to help you serve the people, the, the communities you are serving now? And so it's just allowed me and given me the space to sit in rooms with people that I, I probably would have not been able to imagine like a long time ago, be it politicians, be it astronauts. Um, so just I think a variety of people. And what I try to do from each of those conversations or each of those lectures and lessons is, you know, whether it's a quick note is really what can I take from this story? to help me propel my work and my passion for the community that I'm serving. And I think that's what it always comes down to is maintaining that passion and that love. And I think speaking with other fellows in my program, I think it really helps, we help motivate each other to, to really push that further. So I think in the future, looking ahead, I think this fellowship has been and will be instrumental, I think, in my evolving sense of what leadership looks like, as well as keeping me grounded in the fact that, there's a big work to do around health equity and health equality. But we each have a piece to play and I'm hoping to basically do what I love at a very high level and, and help help bridge some health inequities and, and, and make our communities healthier and safer.
0: That's awesome. And and that that truly would make such a, a substantial change to society and impact so many lives. I know that you have obviously given your focus and your passion on healthcare, but I'm curious, are there any other causes that you are um, most passionate about and how could those be addressed through the work that you're doing in your fellowship?
1: Yes, I think in in addition to healthcare, something that's very important to me is is education. So my experience moving, when I moved to the U.S., I, I found moved around quite a little bit, and I went to some schools in, in areas where when people speak a lot about kind of inequities in our health system and the fact that, you know, some schools don't have access to textbooks or to basic resources. Like I lived that experience and it took me getting to college to really look back and think that, you know, when we don't equip students with what they need in an early phase, it's just the trickle down effect that follows them through the, through sort of the rest of their education journey. So I think a big thing for me and what I try to think about beyond healthcare is how do we, or how do I empower sort of the next generation of thinkers and next generation of of students who, whether or not they want to be a doctor or whether or not they want to, you know, code or they want to build whatever they want to do. I think for me, it's like, how can I be best and best use my platform and position to help students, especially first generation students kind of reach the heights they want to and amplify their voice. And some of another another effort that I'm trying to work through this year, in part with some of the the, the guidance um, from our fellowship mentor is a program for high school students here in Boston, where we're basically gonna have a virtual summit due to COVID, but we're gonna have them speak with physicians and also advocates around policy, around business, around community advocacy, to really expose them to the various ways that, you know, that you can combine an interest in either social justice or innovation with healthcare, but even beyond that. And so I'm really passionate about kind of exposing people early on to the various career paths and the various different things they can do down in the future. So that's a, a program I'm helping. I've helped co-found and we're kind of running the pilot this year. It's going to be called the Pediatric Community Advocacy Program. And I, I just think back to my experience in, in middle school we had a really great um, teacher who we have this program called the men of distinction. And basically every couple of months, every month we'd have speakers who did very various different um, career paths. And I think it was just a way to kind of get us out of the streets, get us into a classroom and really speak and really speak and listen to people who can inspire us to to think about a brighter future. And that's something I, I care a lot of very deeply about too.
0: Great. And as we wrap up today's conversation, I would just like to ask a couple more questions. So one being, you will soon be a Harvard graduate. Uh, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah. So I think for one, it's, it's a privilege because I know that the platform and where I am today is truly a culmination of the efforts of a lot of people like my parents, my family, but also mentors as well, too. So I always try to take a step back and really view it as a privilege that I I may, I will will graduate from Harvard. But I think also as a challenge and, and a form of motivation in knowing that there are a lot of people, a lot of students out there who have a very similar story to me, but might not have access, you know, or might not be on a trajectory that might lead them to an institution like Harvard. And to really think very deeply about how do I do my part, and giving back as well, too. So that's that's something that really I try to think very deeply about in addition to the work that I will do as a physician, because I at the end of the day, I, I love taking care of patients. I'm interested in a combination of medicine and pediatrics. I really like want to care for both adults and children as well. So I think for me, it's re- to really think about how can I be the best possible physician I can be for my patients but to also help address the inequities in our community and really, really, really create a system and create programs that can help propel students deserve to be in these spaces who have the ability, um, but might not have the the access to different points. That's what I care a lot about. And truly, truly being that face in the room for students who, to believe that they, they can come to a school like Harvard and they can graduate and they can succeed is what I view it as. So I view it as both a privilege, a challenge, but also I think a motivation that that a lot of work has to be done. And I'm grateful for the people who have gotten me here and and just excitement that there's a lot more to do.
0: Great. Yeah. And that actually leads me to, you mentioned the privilege of such an opportunity. And to close, I'm just curious, how how do you feel about, how do you feel about specifically the, the privileges and the responsibilities that are associated with not only being a Harvard graduate, but also a member of the Fellowship for Serving African-American Communities.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so I think the for the Fellowship for Serving African-American Communities, I think it, it will have been a privilege to, I think, have a, a route that, have, that basically helped me afford school. So I think that part, I'm very grateful to our you know generous donors and people who made that, I think, financial component very much possible. I think in addition to that, it's also a privilege, again, to be in, in a space and to be in in conversations with, I think, truly amazing individuals who have their own very unique life stories and things that have shaped who they are, but have very much channeled that I called awesomeness <laughs> into fixing the world and making it truly a better and, and more equitable place. So I think it would have been a privilege to really learn and grow with them together. And I think similar... Similarly, I think it's also a call and an ongoing thing is that, you know, I've had the the ability to grow personally and professionally through this fellowship. And I think there is a call and an impetus to really continue the work around serving African-American communities, whether that's through my health or education work, with the understanding that the, at the end of the day, you know, this, this is my community, and if we can all do our little parts to grow together, we can definitely uplift a lot of communities and give people the platform that they need. So I, I truly am grateful for this fellowship, for the Fellowship of Serving African-American Communities, for the for the ability and, and for the resources to grow as a leader, and also the platform to hopefully continue a lot of important conversations and be the driver of change for our communities.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Okichi. Okay, it was so great to meet you and to really learn so many great details and tips and experiences about who you are as a person, but also who you are as a fellow serving within the Fellowship for Serving African American Communities.
1: I just want to also say as well, too, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Cody. Um, and I think the work in this podcast really... I think amplifies a lot of voices. And I think my final message to I think your listeners and your students has been, I think, similar to the message my my dad told me, which was, I think, just under just believe in yourself. And I think understand that, you know, there are a lot of spaces where there are people who may not look like you or have the same background, but you have every right to be in that room and be in those spaces and so, always use your voice and your platform to empower others as well. Too. So, thank you all so much, and I think best of luck. And I think I'm very excited for where a lot of things are going. And, and, and I think in the space of education and healthcare justice, and um, looking forward to to other students who will hopefully be I, I can proudly call fellow alums and fellows as well, too.
0: We continue our discussion on fellowships with the alumni of the Fellowships for Serving African-American Communities, Ms. Vedette Gavin. Hi, Vedette. How are you doing today?
2: Hey, Cody. I'm great. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and for being on our podcast.
2: Oh, I'm very excited to be here with you.
0: Well, Vinette, we're really excited for you to share your experience. The topic for this episode is all about fellowships. And, but to get started, before we go there, I'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience.
2: Sure. Well, I am a daughter of the Midwest from Columbus, Ohio. I'm born and raised, a proud member of Buckeye Nation. I grew up in a neighborhood on the east side of the city. I'm the daughter of an artist. And um, that's my father and a kind of sciencey person, which is my mom. And so I grew up doing a lot of community service. Both of my parents were really politically active. And both of their parents were very involved in churches, being evangelists, deacons, ministers. And so we spent a lot of time in our neighborhood, which was one of the neighborhoods that you find in Every city across the U.S. was just like the old historic African-American neighborhood that had a freeway built through it and wasn't invested in for 80, 60, 80 years. Right. And so you've got schools that are older. You've got playgrounds that you really can't use on that side of town. And so we did a lot of organizing there to create the things in the community that that we frankly didn't have, to create the sporting leagues, to create create the food programs, to create the Head Start programs where kids could go during the day, the meal programs. And so I grew up doing a lot of that and uh, developed an interest because of the balance of science and art um, in medicine, actually. And so I thought that I would my first thoughts about going to college were be what you can see and so one of my favorite people growing up was a doctor named Dr. Clark who had was one of the the elders in the community who had was one of the few black doctors that we could access he had the the neighborhood family medicine practice and we saw him a lot for everything falling down the stairs or getting your physicals for sports or whatever and so thinking about going to college i was really excited about pediatrics. And so we could talk about that later but like after I got through my MCATs and my pre-med major and did a little internship, I was like, "Oh my god, I hate sick kids. Like they're so sad. I used to cry all the time I did a, a stint in the NICU and I was just always like, "Oh, these poor babies, always just weeping." <laughs> And my supervising physician kind of went like, well, you can't cry every day. Can't be sad for these kids every day. They're really resilient. And long short, I ended up finding my way into public health. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about how to improve the conditions in neighborhoods that lead to people's health outcomes. And that actually is what led me to Harvard, to the Kennedy School, to, focus on a fellow, to participate in a fellowship that was focused on equity in cities across the U.S., on racial equity in particular. So that's a little bit about my journey.
0: That's amazing. Thank you. And such important work that you're doing. So as I mentioned, today's episode is all about fellowships. In your own words, can you define or describe what a fellowship is?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I would describe a fellowship as a thing that provides resources for you to do some learning based on your leadership potential or your past experiences and accomplishments and your area of interest. And usually providing those resources to do learning in some type of group or with a specific cohort of people or a specific professor or something along those lines. And for me, I actually that was a new term for me. Even after I had gone to to undergrad and worked a little bit, the first time I actually saw the word fellowship was in a professional setting, actually. It was maybe about six or seven years into my career, there was a leadership fellowship at the Centers for Disease Control when they were really first trying to lean into work around health equity and figure out how to do that. And that was Know I applied to that fellowship because I went, yeah, there's like really nowhere to learn about that on the job, right? Where do you go to deepen your understanding of something and to shape other people's understanding of it? Right. Like how do you become a person who quote leads the field in that area? And so I applied for that fellowship, which was get together with a cohort of other people who are interested in this topic across the country once a year in person and once a month over the web or over the phone and and deepen your understanding and do some work together, do some actual work to change the conditions that you're studying. And so that was my introduction to fellowships as professional development. And so when I saw the the Sheila C. Johnson Fellowship, which was the initial student uh, fellowship for African-American leadership at the Kennedy School. I actually thought it was another professional development fellowship. <laughs> and so that was my introduction to academic fellowships.
0: And that's so great that, you know, with fellowships, it seems like an incredible opportunity, like you said, to really continue learning and continue exploring areas that you're most passionate about. Oftentimes, In education, the, the program might dictate what we're studying, but with fellowships, it seems like you're able to really explore your passions, which is, which is an incredible opportunity.
2: Absolutely,
0: now, going into the fellowship application process, we've heard lots about this from other guests as well, but can you describe the process of applying for a fellowship, and what did you tend to think was the most challenging part within that process?
2: Oh boy, so now you're asking me to reach about five years, six years back um, <laughs> <laughs> you Well, know, and I guess I'll remember the parts that really stuck out to me the most i i remember a significant piece of it is is thinking about so you've got your recommendations you've got your personal statement and then you've got the actual ac- application to your academic program and for me the two biggest things are like since a fellowship is really about your interests who you are what you've been through your strengths what you bring to the table it's really about figuring out who you're trying to introduce yourself as, you know, what is the story you're trying to tell about yourself and your recommendations and your personal statement all contribute to that. And so I remember really thinking, okay, well, what will they think is interesting about me? (laughs) What would, what might other people be writing about? And usually the prompts are like, tell us about a time when something horrible has happened and you've been an excellent leader. Or tell us about a, some some story that you're, We I think as first-gen students and particularly minority first-gen students, we have the stories that we're used to telling about the struggles in our lives that we know inspire other people. And sometimes we get really, really good at telling those stories. Oh, I could tell a story about how we didn't really have Heat or air conditioning in my in my school, and so we used to have to wear coats to class and do all of that, right? I could talk about how bad the educational system was and how I rose against adversity when my academic advisor told me I should think about community college instead of going to college, right? But then it's like, well, is that the story I tell myself about myself, though? Is that who I feel that I am, and is that where I'm where I'm going, right? And so for me, I think it was really figuring out, well, like. Who are you and who do you want to introduce yourself as? And so how do you select those people? And for me, our fellowship was focused on disparities. It It was asking for leaders who wanted to rise to meet the call for thinking about how we make cities more equitable, how we address disparities in urban centers across the country. And for me, I thought there was no one better to provide recommendations than some of the community community members that I've worked with, right? Some of the public servants who I thought were incredibly transformational and impactful that I've worked for. And thinking about that and talking about in my essay about the things that I thought could be changed or different, right? and how having the chance to spend time with a group of fellows who were all interested in this might help me get there. And so I think that was the most arduous part and the most significant part of applying for the fellowship.
0: That's great. And did anyone in your life or in your network help you or assist you along the way as you applied for and pursued this fellowship opportunity?
2: I'm, I'm laughing to myself because I think another hallmark experience now that comes to mind of the fellowship application process was the interview. <laughs> and we in my, so I was the first class, the first year of, of this fellowship. And so they were still trying to figure out, you know, what are we looking for? And this is the first time they had brought applicants together to interview for the fellowship. And so I actually, my confirmation that I was a finalist actually got lost in my email. <laughs> it oh, got wow. yeah. And so I didn't even know that I got accepted and then the director kind of said, "We haven't heard back from this person that's strange. I'm going to call her." And I was driving down the freeway one day and I got the call and I had to pull over and I was like, "Oh my goodness, no way." Like, you know, I thought it was a long shot that I might get accepted to the school, but I'm actually a finalist for this fellowship. This is incredible. How, why would they pick me? And then all the feelings of imposter syndrome like set in, settle in and they go, Well, we'll need you to come here in person and you're going to interview with a panel. What they didn't tell us was that we would be in the waiting room with one another, with everyone else who had applied for the fellowship and was interviewing. And then we would all go to lunch together and sit around tables with the faculty who we had just tried to impress. And we jokingly now, that first class of fellows, we call it the hunger game. Like we really felt like we were being trained together and being like having some sense of camaraderie then also going like, I think I can pick that one off and I think I can take him. I think I can take her. Right. And so that experience, <laughs> like just seeing the caliber of talent in the room. I remember I had the opportunity at that lunch to meet one of my public health heroes, and I was like, I'm competing against her. This is incredible. And so I think I say all that to say it was at that lunch talking to some of the other applicants that I realized it was like a, like, I, like I was seeing into another universe that I was unaware of. I realized that most people in that room, of the people in that room already knew somebody at Harvard, already had a relative come through the university, knew somebody at Yale, had already done an overnight. And I was going, oh my gosh, like I am completely an imposter. How do all these people already have friends from Harvard? And like, oh yeah, my cousin's at Yale on this fellowship. And, you know, I went to Cornell and I did this, you know, and here I am coming from a state school going there's no way i left that that lunch being absolutely certain there was no way that i was going to be picked because i felt like they all had the competitive advantage like i didn't know anyone who went to any type of ivy league school let alone who had brought me in and introduced me to a dean or a professor who had taken a liking to me right and so i saw like the deep strategy and the deep networks that were present for most of the people who are applying, and I, I felt really on the outside of that, so I think that's one thing that I learned about how people got assistance for applying for the fellowship. But for me personally, I really talked to my family. Like I talked to the people who I felt like could support me when I had moments of doubt to say like, ah, I don't know if this is a good story. Like, read it, what do you think? I just used the resources that I had, which were not the traditional Ivy League resources, but they served me well.
0: That's amazing that you were able to have those experiences and that you, you were selected. And you've touched on a few of these already. But what do you think are some of the biggest ways that this fellowship assisted you? A lot of times people think the monetary value is the loan benefit. But with fellowships, it's so much more. What do you think helped you the most?
2: I definitely, the monetary value is huge, right? You can't understate that. But I do think for me as a, a, a first generation, you know, college person, even though this was my graduate degree, right? It was my first delve into the Ivy League space. Having kind of a squad right who you could not be afraid to have imposter moments with right so when you when you come up against something and you're like I don't know what this is how does everyone else know what this is what do I do you can ask that crew of people i think i think the other piece is just that's where i got my roommates that's how i figured out my housing that's how we oriented ourselves to the community school having that time to really build relationships within our fellowship group and across other fellows. It's almost like the the summer program that leads up to real school, <laughs> if you will. Like it gives you a footing, it gives you a network, it gives you a place to go when you have questions. I think if I didn't have that and I just came in on day 1 of orientation, and had to figure out, well, do I, you know, I don't even have an advisor yet. So who do I go to? Right. And how do I build a relationship with that person such that I can talk about things that are deeply personal? I can talk about the things that I want to learn. I can, you know, laugh and joke with these people. I can find a roommate. You know, I can do all those things. And so it serves as almost a second home group. And I think the other powerful piece about the fellowship, particularly fellowships at the Kennedy School, is all the fellowships spend time together every week. So you spend time within your individual fellowship, but you spend time across fellowships as well. And each fellowship has the opportunity to curate their own learning experiences. And so that is one powerful, tangible benefit of of fellowships at Harvard in particular, that you cannot get anywhere else. You, If you say, what we really want to learn about is how you negotiate peace treaties between nations at war, they'll say, great. Who are the speakers that you want to bring in? And you curate that conference or you curate that learning opportunity, right? If you say, well, we really need We're really working to understand how you might transition from private sector consulting or from Wall Street back into community or, you know, how do you start a pact? you know, how do you start a political path? How do you, in any question that you have, you go to the fellowship group because part of a fellowship there is directing your own leadership and learning. And so you're tasked with figuring out what do you need from the university? What do you need from your peers in order to learn the things and practice the things that you came here for? And so that piece, just having Almost uninhibited access to any learning opportunity, mentorship opportunity, exposure opportunity that you could think of is incredible.
0: Great. All right. Now I'd love to talk with you about, you know, the work you've done since being a part of this amazing fellowship. And, you know, the first thing I'd love to ask is looking back and reflecting, how do you believe the fellowship for serving African American communities impacted your identity as a first generation student?
2: Mm, That is a great question. I I think a few things. I think one, it regrounded me in the importance of keeping my identity at the forefront. I think a lot of times... We can, as first generation students, feel like we are on the outside because things were not built or structured, you know, uh, functionally or culturally with us in mind a lot, right? And so you feel the need to like fit in, kind of go with the flow, for lack of a better word, assimilate to the culture that's there and the thinking that's there. And you adopt the things, uh, the sayings, even let me push back on that. And, you know, you learn how to snap and you learn how to do all the things that they do. And sometimes you can leave behind the importance of um, being an outsider to that system, right? I think for me, I started two two kind of innovation labs. And one of them is about working with everyday people in the communities where they are and using their insights about the problems that they face in their cities and communities to solve them. And I think it's really important to bring those experiences and that knowledge about what it feels like to navigate through a system that was not designed to include you, to call those things out because it's often those are the solutions. Those are the insights where the solutions lie. And so in my work since then part part of you know my charge as a researcher is to normalize the genius and insights from people who typically have not been thought of as knowledgeable, right? And, and that's really important for me. I think being in that fellowship really pointed out the only way we're going to make progress toward inclusion and make progress toward a more just and equitable society is to really focus on the people who are on the fringes and on the margins, and being able to say, well, I was once outside of this system. Well, why was I on the outside of it, right? And for me thinking about, well, it's not because, you know, my parents weren't smart or because my mom didn't complete boarding school and get the right good grades. She went to Andover, which is now Abbott Academy. Well, she went to Abbott Academy, which is now Andover Academy, matriculated to Penn, but then dropped out when she got the N-word spray painted all over her dorm room and a noose in her locker. Right. And so, and then to watch my parents organize and organize and build the things we needed in the community that the city decided not to invest in. Right. And so it's like thinking about, oh, well, people are not always on the outside or on the fringes because they're lazy or they're not smart. There are systematic reasons for this. And, and to remember those insights and to normalize talking about them and to invite those people into the work to offer the solutions for inclusion and offer the solutions for better and accountable governance. And so for me, it, it just is, you know, kind of reshaping renormalizing or redefining who belongs and what leadership looks like.
0: That's great. And, you know, that's very similar to the work we do with the podcast, you know, um, using first generation voices, to tell the stories of first generation students to benefit all communities, especially those that are marginalized or underserved. You know, you have to have those voices, you have to have those people there at the table. So I, that's an amazing point that you bring up, you know, hopefully evolution and change that happens Within our society. You know, I'm also curious. You are a graduate of Harvard. You are one of the first to be involved with the fellowship that we've discussed today, one of the, you know, first members of the initial cohort. And I'm just curious, you know, being a part of this fellowship to start and also being a Harvard graduate. What does that mean to you on a personal level?
2: Oh, man, it, it means a lot. I, I think, one, I really, I think, identify with and hold very close to me the Kennedy School's mantra of, of ask what you can do, right? And I think one of our, our fellowship mentors or or directors, Patty Bellinger, used to tell us all the time... you. You won't understand until you get out into the world what type of credibility having the Harvard stamp brings you. <laughs> and so it means a lot to me because we have an opportunity in a certain level of assumed credibility and assumed belonging in virtually any space that allows you to come in and set an agenda that allows you to come in and influence the way people think about a thing. And so for me, I think it's yet another opportunity or tool in the tool belt to say, how can I refocus the work that's happening here and tailor it to the communities that are are most in need of resources? And so for me, I think also knowing as a member of this fellowship that there are 50 other people out there in the world, doing the same thing. You know, we we reconnect every, you know, six months or so. Uh, all of us and and share what we're working on. When we're trying to create new companies, or when we're trying to draft new policies, when we're advocating for a new thing, we have a brain trust with each other, and we say, you know, how can I help you here? And you're never more than four or five people away from the resource, the critical resource or the critical piece of guidance that you need to really make significant change to change the way that for instance, one of the biggest wins for for me and my work recently is you know that hospitals are now allowed to invest in affordable housing through their community benefits designation and that's a huge thing, right that we can move the agenda on on housing as a human right, and utilize resources from systems that care for sick people to help keep people from being sick in the first place, right? And so being able to do things like that, and being able to call upon the people who I went through the Kennedy School with to help me along the journey, and know that we're in it for the long haul together, is another thing that I hold very, very dear and near to my heart um, from my Harvard experience.
0: That's great, and yeah, that's you know opens up so many paths for people to really make concrete change for the betterment of tons of you know various communities, um, personal to them. And to close. I would love to know, what is one hope or outcome you would like to see for first-generation students?
2: Hmm. One hope or outcome for first-generation students? I would just say, show up and ask the things that no one else is asking. Bring bring your full self and your full passion, the things you really care about, the things that are interesting to you into that setting. Because I think it takes a diversity of minds, and, and I think we bring a unique perspective to the college classroom. And so show up and 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 normalize. Don't feel on the outside. You know, it's it's it there's always a moment where you figure out like why are people so obsessed with arugula? And and what's up with all this sparkling water. And just there's there's so many moments that you have. Why are people snapping in the classroom? You, <laughs> you figure out those things and you feel like an outsider, but embrace that. And, and really figure out like wh- what matters to you and how can you introduce that to others? Because they come from where they come from and they've inherited certain types of knowledge and social capital, but so have we. We've inherited certain types of knowledge and social capital that just haven't been present in those spaces. So bring that information into those spaces, bring that knowledge, bring that curiosity into those spaces and reshape those spaces so that those who come after you will feel like they belong when they show up.
0: Amazing, amazing advice and so relatable for so many of the students that I know that we have listening and the students that I work with. So thank you so much for that for sharing that. And thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. It was incredible. You shared so much insight and we appreciate you being here today.
2: Thank you again for having me. I'm so excited to have this community and this podcast, and thank you for all you're doing.
0: Of course, and thank you, and your insight will certainly help the next generation of first-generation students know how to college. Awesome. As you can see, fellowships provide students with so many unique opportunities and experiences. We hope hearing the stories of these amazing individuals helps to inspire you or the first generation student in your life to take advantage of these types of opportunities. Thank you to Akashi and Vedette, as well as Marish, Akisha, and Mora from the Harvard Kennedy School for your collaboration. It truly takes a village. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you have any questions or feedback, as we want to hear what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at HowToCollegeFirstGen on Instagram and Facebook, and HTCFirstGen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time!